everybody. It's uh, <clears throat> 5 o'clock on a Wednesday, and I am running behind schedule, and I just about didn't make it in time. <clears throat> but things are good. Showed up. I don't think I have a screener yet. Um, hopefully I will have a screener soon, and um, we'll see what happens. This is a show that we call A Cup of Joe. It's a podcast. It is a uh, show that's put on to you by the Human Solution International and uh, hosted by the Coffee Party Radio Show Network. <clears throat> We've been doing this show for, I don't know, almost five years now altogether, about three years of this particular format, maybe a little more. And... Um, or whatnot, saying, what's this about? And, of course, they don't bother listening. They just, you know, everybody wants to be spoon-fed. Everybody wants to sit back in their chair and have you tell them what they're missing and what's so important about it and why they should participate. And so few of us are willing to dig dig in and put a real effort into anything. We're good at getting ideas and we're good at telling people about our ideas, but we're not good at doing stuff. We're not good at making things happen. And those of us that are, they call us leaders. And those of us that are good at it will generally um, find people that don't like their things the way they're doing it because everybody's so quick to point out what's wrong with things. Everybody's so quick to point out why they don't like this thing, what's wrong with everything. The human problem, there's a lot of that. Look at your news at any given moment. You hear a lot of bad stuff. You'll hear about this person or this group or this thing and how bad it is and what's wrong with it. Very seldom do you hear people engage in the solution. And I just can't help but wonder what would happen to this world if people were spending any amount of time focusing on the world they would like to see rather than what they see that's wrong with the world. And about 10 years ago, almost exactly 10 years ago, uh, I found myself in a problem, a big problem, and uh, gathered a bunch of people together, and we decided, well, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do to fix this problem? And, and, and maybe even deeper than that, the core of the problem. And ultimately what came of it is this little group that we call the human solution. Think about it, the human solution. Wouldn't it be nice if there was more of that in the world? Just saying. I think if we're honest about things and, and really honest, I mean honest to the point where it generally uncomfortable at best, um, unpleasant sometimes. We have to acknowledge things that we don't necessarily want to about ourselves and other people, about our relationships or things we call relationships, about our friendships, about our commitments, about the things that we claim we stand for or are willing to do and the things that piss us off, the things that make us happy. I think if we're actually truly honest about these things, we'll find maybe 
We have more in common than it would seem. And maybe if we were to step back a little bit and look at some of the real issues that we have in our world, that we might realize that the things that would be required to change them might not be complicated at all, but rather might just involve enough of us willing to stand up <clears throat> for the things that are right and willing to stand up in opposition to the things that are wrong. And I don't mean <clears throat> just clacking away on the keyboard, although there's a value to that. I don't diminish that value. I don't mean just, you know, dressing up in Indian feathers and going to a courthouse and making a fool of yourself, although that's, there's a place for that. I don't mean having to get a radio show so that you have one too, or getting yourself onto some TV show or movie set or whatever the hell we aspire to. I think it has to do about walking our walk, about doing what we say, about having some integrity, about standing for something, about meaning for meaning something. I think there's not much of that in the world right now. I think there's a lot of opinions. I think there's a lot of vitriol. I think there's a lot of, of fixation on problems. I think there's a lot of finger pointing. But try it. Try pointing your finger. Oh, <laughs> three of them pointing back at me. I wonder if we spent time looking at those three instead of the one. And then you start getting into real solutions. And what if we were to start spending a little bit of time saying, well, what can I do about it? What can I do to make this world better? You know, we point our fingers at these problems and the government this and the president that and the Congress and the military and the whatever. You point your finger wherever you want to. But let's open up the ball, the, the, the book a little bit. Let's peel the onion away a little bit. Then let's start getting to some truth. Because I have good friends, people I care to dearly about, that get stuck in these negative thought patterns. They get stuck in these these finger-pointing seshes. And as much as I love some of these people, it sickens me to hear it, so much to the point that I, I tend to nip heads off like grasshoppers when it happens. I tend to say, well, you know what, why don't we talk about what you can do about it instead of just bitching about that guy that we all like to bitch about. And I've been, for the past 10 years, looking for, finding people that were willing, people that cared enough, who claimed to want to do something about it. And, of course, when we first got started, we were facing obvious problems of myself and other people that I knew came to know that were facing a loss of freedom because of our choice to use a plant. And those people that gathered around at the, in the initial stages were in the hundreds, and we all agreed that, well, that doesn't seem right. That seems unjust, unjust. 
there, there's an injustice happening here when something that didn't hurt anybody or take away their rights was deemed to be an illegal act and prohibited by the law, so much so that somebody who did it would face a loss of freedom, a loss of property, a loss of job, a loss of whatever, a loss, many losses. And I suffered all those losses. And we determined, well, I determined first of all, and I found other people willing to stand behind me, with me, and that it was worth fighting for. And that we started examining that problem and said, well, the problem is prohibition, right? Because we have it. And these laws that have brought alive prohibition are based on misinformation. And they're based on exploiting fears. And at the time when these laws were enacted, there was a huge um, lack of information to the masses. There were very few avenues that information traveled on, and the people that controlled them were the ones that wanted this prohibition to happen for their own selfish gains. And lo and behold, it worked. It worked better than a lot of things. And they preyed upon the fears of the ignorant, and they began a campaign of misinformation and cover-up and fed the bigotry and the racist fears and, the, again, general ignorance of people. And they started to exercise their power, and they locked some people up early on. And... Fast forward to 1970-71, a man by the name of Richard Nixon found that uh, he was afraid of a group of people that were standing up against his policies. And he was able to put forward the Controlled Substances Act. And that Controlled Substances Act is one of the defining moments in American history. And a lot of people don't recognize it as such. A lot of people just don't get it. And the ignorance today, in my opinion, is just as bad as it was back in the 30s. In some ways, I think it's worse because the misinformation is put out by all sides. You know, we have our opponents who stand to their same white paper, drugs are bad, pot to drug, gateway to hell, all of those things, they're still beating the same drum. But the misinformation that comes out of our side of things, meaning the support of cannabis, the opposition to prohibition, we get suckered into bills and laws, legislation, state legislation that is in opposition to the federal law, but what does it really do? It opens up a few doors for a few people. Oh, just like it happened with prohibition. And it allows some people to do some things. Generally, those people that are wealthy and connected. And everybody else 
now are illegal. I have been going through gathering up articles, and I haven't had time to post them, but every day new articles come on my desk, and they're about illegal pots, illegal grows, illegal sales, illegal transportation, illegal manufacturing, and you know what? The very same people that are pursuing the legal business, by legal I mean they are putting a bunch of money into a black hole and they're signing papers and connecting the dots that need to be connected to have some dispensation from their state to violate a federal law. Nobody seems to be plugging those things in. Okay? And that's what's happening. And they're wagging their little fingers. And I have some people that I love dearly that have supported our organization that care but are now working on that side of things and they're all about the legal thing and we have conversations about them. I don't want to step on them too hard because I love them and I think that they care and in many cases they, they support our organization. But what happens when you have a small group of people that get to do something and a big group of people that doesn't? Oh, yeah, <laughs> just like it's always been. You know, remember the Occupy movement and all those thousands and thousands of people that gathered there in Wall Street and L.A. and Portland and all these other places? And what was their chant? We are the 99%. What does that mean? It didn't mean dick. And and I was there and I spoke in the courthouse and I tried to, I tried to bring a strong message to it, a message that actually meant something. And somewhere on YouTube or some videos of me trying to do that. But they didn't really get it. And the thing with that was, is I get where they were coming from. And they didn't articulate their point, and they didn't set out an objective. There was no solution to it. There was just, we're being oppressed by those sons of bitches that own everything. Okay, yeah. Look back through all of history, it's been that way. It's always been that way. So when we start looking at things like cannabis prohibition, and then we start looking at concepts like freedom, liberty, equality, justice, uh, common sense, and let's say we were to take all those words and put them into a sentence, we'd be looking at some human solutions now, wouldn't we? Okay, and that's what I am here to try to bring together. Now, this weekend, I spent some time up in Montana. And I spent some time with uh, some Indian people, the Northern Cheyenne, and uh, a bunch of different folks that are of like minds. And I spoke, you know, in a place like Montana, there's not a lot of people. And there's a lot of land, and there's a lot of um, personal freedom-minded folks, people that move out there to get away from all the government oversight. But what's happening in Montana is the rich fucks from California are moving over there and buying up big ranches, and as soon as they get there, they're trying to implement policies that help them and their interests. Well, I hate to tell you that's what, folks, but in every society, 
regardless of what their governmental system is, they can be communists, they can be uh, democracy, Republican representatives, they can be capitalists, they can be some combination of that, you're going to find the same damn thing happens. Okay? Go research Mao Zedong and what happened with him and how he gained power and what he did to his people. Take a minute and do some learning about people and their aspirations. And generally what happens is, in some cases, people act on their own behalf and they don't give a damn about the people that it affects. In some cases, they care some. In some cases, they care a lot. But generally, people are motivated by their own interests. That's where the key to this is. So I've been talking for the last three or four weeks about this walk across America and how one of the targets, the goals of this, is to end cannabis prohibition. Well, that is a walking goal of mine. Anybody who wants me to do anything in life, they're going to hear about ending cannabis prohibition because it's important. Because cannabis prohibition has harmed more people in my eyes than just about any other um, oppressive act. You know, the civil rights movement, those laws were passed many years ago. And there's still civil rights problems, but there are laws that supposedly fixed it, right? They already got passed. We've passed laws over and over again that have solved these problems. Do the problems still exist? Oh, yes, they do, because they're society's problems. They're not legal problems. You know, over 100 years ago, women got the right to vote. They got the right to own property. They got the right to be treated equal as their constitution said they should. Are women treated equal? We've got a Me Too movement going on today. Why? Because women have been oppressed. Why? Because they could. Because those that oppressed them had the opportunity. They were able to. They took advantage of that. It is what it is. Until society changes its mind about that, it'll continue. It'll always continue, regardless of what the law says. And occasionally, somebody will get caught, and they'll shine a spotlight on him, and they'll make an example out of him, and he'll either buy his way out of it or he'll get locked up. And the beat goes on. And it's not until society changes its mind about things that things really change. And granted, we have a broad cross-section of humanity that disagrees on some fundamental points. However, what if we were to take and distill these concepts down to ideas that we could all get behind. Does anybody in society think that the government should tell us what to do when it comes to growing a plant? If you were to phrase it that way, is there any reason why anybody shouldn't be allowed to grow a plant for their own personal use, regardless of what it's for, to eat it, to to make a rope out of it, to, to... plant a seed from it so that you could sell that seed or whatever. There's a million things you could do with any kind of a plant. And if you were to talk about any kind of a plant, do you think that anybody would say, well, that needs to be over-regulated, of course. Maybe. 
I can see in some small way the tobacco plant has had issues because it's killed a lot of people. But the tobacco plant itself is a very sacred thing in a lot of societies. And it's considered a connection to the creator by many people. And if it's not abused, generally it doesn't abuse back. And if it's not added a lot of chemicals to it, generally it's not as addictive as those other things that are. Amen. But aside from a plant that could cause a lot of people harm that might be desirable to a lot of people, I mean, really, think about it. You know, they sell digitalis plants, foxglove plants at Home Depot. Mm -hmm. And if I was a foxglove farmer, and I decided I wanted to grow 10 million of them and sell them on the open market and export them and import them and make a giant foxglove factory, I would be lauded as a pioneer. I would be, I would be shown as an entrepreneur, a go-getter, a real American guy. But you know what you can do with the foxglove plant? You could stop a man's heart. You could make a potion out of that plant that could be deadly with a small amount if you were to concentrate it just right. The other side of it is you could make a really good heart medicine if you knew what you were doing. But is anybody standing up against that plant? Is anybody saying that plant needs to be regulated? People might be using pesticides when they're making their foxglove potion. Oh, no, they're not. Most people don't know anything about that plant. They plant it in their front yard as a lovely border plant, and it makes a pretty flower, and it dies after a couple of years. And that's generally what happens. And every year, somebody dies from digitalis poisoning. Probably a lot of people. I don't know the actual numbers, but it happens every single year. They die. And there's no outcry. There's no... And you know why? Because there's no threat to all these other people that have been threatened by the cannabis plant. So we boil this down, we distill this down, we start looking at basically human rights. We start looking at these things that our founding fathers saw as self-evident, as many of us see as self-evident. And we look at these as common threads that might bind us together. What if we were to stand up and walk for a cause that you support it. You think we could find some things that we all think are important that we stand up for that are maybe being stomped on and oppressed? I think we might. I think we might. That's what we're trying to do with this walk across America. It's about cannabis prohibition. It's about veterans' rights. It's about Indian people's issues. It's about women's issues. It's about racist issues. It's about every kind of issue that you could think of. It's about human issues. And where the government and humanity are separated, we got to look at those things. Those places where the government decides they need to control what we do or don't do, 
you know, there's a lot of crazy things happening in this world right now. And those every time crazy things happen, policies get enacted. Knee-jerk policies get enacted because people get worked up. People get afraid. That's how prohibition got passed right on through because people got worked up and they got afraid. And they gave up that. And over almost 100 years later, finally we're starting to take some of it back. They say it takes 100 years to, to, to change a societal problem. And I have to think, well, maybe it's time to begin that. Because the truth is, about cannabis anyways, to this day, from 100,000 years ago or whenever people came on the scene ever, till today, not one person, not one person is known to have died from cannabis. And yet, it's treated worse than some very dangerous compounds, very dangerous plants. It's treated worse than that. And these regulations and money-grubbing laws that have come, you know, you listen to people that are they're trying to get it passed, and they tell me this. Well, if the government's not going to make money, nobody's going to go for it. Really? Why is that? Well, I'll tell you, folks, why. It's because of us. It's because we're not making it clear that we want all of our rights, not just the few that they are still dangling in front of us. You know, we think we have a right to free speech. And what happens with that right to free speech? We have people that push it all the way as far as they can until they try to break it. And in their efforts to um, to utilize this right, to express themselves, sometimes they cause harm. And it makes society step back and say, well, shoot, we can't let this harm happen. What do we do about it? And they start looking at ways to infringe on these rights and put limits to them. And there have been laws throughout history that have severely limited our right to speech. And people have been locked up and even worse because of things they said during certain times in our history. And I think if we start really looking at things, truth, and not just some little slice of somebody's study that comes up, because unfortunately we're all swayed by the latest study, Actually, look at some truth. Bring it all to the table. Let's bring the facts. Let's bring the supporting documents. I think we might find things to be a little different than we think. And I think we might find that some of these truths that we think we don't have a problem, maybe we do. We got great people on the line here, live from Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's serving life in federal prison for pot. What do you think about that? Hello, Craig. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. It's it's a little balmy here in uh, Indiana, but it's nice. It's it's sunny and about I don't know about 85 right now. I was thinking uh, it was getting a little late. I was thinking you might not make it again. I'm glad you're able to. No, but I got through. Sometimes the it's hard to predict when you get into the line. It's hard to predict how long each of the person. You know, people ahead of me, how long they're going to talk. So 
you know, sometimes the timing can be a little tricky as to when I jump into the line for the phone. Yeah, I I um I just read a book over the weekend, um, and it was called High, and it was about a guy who uh, got locked up in federal prison, and he was a smuggler, and he he had done all kinds of uh, smuggling of all sorts, not just pot, but other drugs as well, and um, in his description of uh, uh, you know, a federal prison and the way things worked and didn't work, it seemed like uh, it seemed like a, a pretty accurate description from all the things I've heard from the people that have come and gone. And uh, it was an interesting story. I mean, the guy led a very colorful life, and apparently he's out right now um, advocating for uh, criminal justice reform. So um, I think his last name was O'Day. I can't remember his first name. But um, anyways, uh, it was an interesting – I was up in Montana over the weekend and uh, working with some Native American folks. And uh, uh, I was, you know, reading this book during the weekend, and uh, I was explaining to some of the people that I come upon, you know, about your situation and about other people. And, you know – Everybody seems to have their cause, the thing that they hold dear to them, and I, I'm busy trying to tie them all together um, to find that common ground to let people know that there's no difference in the injustice of Craig Cecil being locked up for a nonviolent first-time offense and, you know, somebody else that's being oppressed for some other reason. It's all the same stuff. Yeah, it's hard to... Hard to figure out how they really plan a lot of their sentences. Uh, I have the exact same sentence. Uh, once, once it's aggregated, is uh, uh, is the Sinaloa cartel leader El Chapo? Right. Right. Exactly. And that's a guy who had killed so many people for so little reason. You know, this guy was responsible for hundreds of deaths, maybe thousands, who knows. And, you know, when, when that trial actually went down, everybody that was close to him ended up testifying against him. You know, everybody, I think a, a handful of people didn't, but I think most everybody ended up, you know, getting caught up, taking his plea deal, and they told a pretty horrific story. And you're right, he got the same... Same sentence as you did. And, you know, I just heard today on a radio show that, I don't know if you remember, a few years ago, in, I think it was in Norway, there was this crazy guy who was a, a, a political uh, opponent of, of the party, and he went to a summer camp up in Norway to a place where the children of the elected officials were, were in summer camp. And he went on a rampage, and he—it he, was a well-planned, you know, horrific event. And many, many, many people were killed as a result of this guy's, you know, terrorist act. <coughs> and he's due to get out before too long. And I remember when that happened. I was in prison quite a while when that happened. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, I've, I've made a complaint. About a guy that actually lived down the hall from me here, uh, John Walker Lynn, who shot three CIA agents 
in uh, Afghanistan fighting for the Taliban over there. They arrested him, brought him back to the United States, convicted him of providing aid to terrorism. This was about two years after I got locked up. He was right down the hall from here at Terre Haute uh, last month. They let him go home. Yeah. Yeah. And it sentenced him to uh, 20 years. With good time, it was 17 years. And uh, he's been in less time than me, and he went home. Right. You, I mean, think about that. Can't he... Had his aid to terrorism not been shooting CIA agents, but instead giving marijuana to the terrorists, he'd be facing a life sentence like me. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because people just, when when I tell them, I've met with a bunch of leaders of a number of different organizations, veterans organizations and Indian Native American folks, and, and I'm, you know, trying to work with them on some common ground. And when we talk about, you know, criminal justice reform, of course, you know, a lot of people are are targeting the problem of racial profiling and the injustice that comes from that. And and even, um, you know, um, um, the, the class issue, you know, the people that don't have any money, they get targeted uh, generally over the people that do. And then... When I bring up these cases about the uh, cannabis and, and even, you know, just nonviolent offenses and, and drug charges and mandatory minimums, you watch their eyes kind of glaze over and they don't understand. They don't, you know, it, it just almost doesn't seem real to them. They don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to fathom. Uh, I look at the uh, cases uh, behind the five people that are going to be executed here in December. And uh, most of them were convicted about the same time as me. And their cases are horrific, you know. Uh, All of them involve killing children, you know, one way or another killing children. You know, it's part of a robbery, and uh, one of them uh, wanted to get out of child support and actually ended up killing his own child. I mean, they're, they're horrific. And, you know, really... This call is from a federal prison. Here they've been in prison as long as me, and their sentence is going to end in December. My sentence is going to, you know, keep going on. I'm still getting punished after December. And you kind of have to wonder, who's better off? Who got the shorter sentence? Yeah. Well, you know, I understand, and I I heard recently that uh, some of the big um, civil rights organizations are getting together uh, to try to push Congress for, uh, you know, to deschedule cannabis and, and to go after the sentencing reform, ACLU and some of the other bigwigs. Have you heard anything about that? I, I mean, I, I've heard things for the last nearly 18 years that I've been in prison, and uh, none of them seem to, you know, really see the light of day in Congress. None of the committee people are really bringing them to the fore and, you know, having hearings and bringing in experts on both sides. That hasn't happened, and I, I wonder why are they afraid to take a serious look at, you know, what's going on with uh, marijuana sentencing and marijuana convictions. I mean, and I mean, really with all drugs, but marijuana being the most socially accepted one. Well, I'll tell you why. I mean, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think, unfortunately, 
the the world of activism is in many ways a paper tiger. In many ways, there's a lot of people that seek uh, publicity and some kind of notoriety out of it rather than actually trying to make a difference. I mean, when I and, and and I don't mean that they don't care about the cause. I don't mean that they don't want the cause to change. But to dig in and really put yourself at risk and 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 fight, it requires a commitment that not many people have. And I think that a lot of these groups, they, you know, they want to they want to champion things, but break, peel away the onion and start looking at it, and you go, well, how many uh, salaried executives does this organization have? And and really, what are they doing? You know, they're, they're working. They're going to work because it's their job because they get paid for it. And, you know, my group is an all-volunteer organization, and we've got this ragtag, you know, band of crazy motherfuckers that do, yeah. that do things because they need to be done. But the truth is, I, I, I think if you start looking at the truths about things, the, the, the notion of we're going to do this, just like a campaign promise, we're going to do this, that's easy, easy to say, and it gets support from your people, and it gets donations to come in. But to actually get out there on the floor and do the hard work, clearly that's not being done. And I have to think to myself, maybe they don't see that that change is really going to bring them or their company enough of a benefit to put the hard work in. And I think that, unfortunately, peel the onion away a little bit, and I think you start finding those kind of nuggets. <coughs> and it's sad. One thing that sure seems like common sense to me is the federal government is accepting all kinds of income tax for all these uh, marijuana dispensaries and recreational marijuana sales outfits across the country. But all of them pay federal corporate tax and federal uh, income taxes on their employees, and the government's real happy to take all their money, but they still can't seem to put a bill on the floor and get it passed that allows these outfits to put money in a bank. They're saying they can't put money in a bank because of drug money, but they can put it in the IRS. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that way they get, a, sense to me. they get a feed off of them. How dangerous is it having all that cash around for, you know, so many of these retailers? Well, it, it's that double-edged sword. It it lets them feed off of them from both sides. As long as it stays illegal, you know, they collect all those taxes, but at the same time, they can still go in and harvest all their stuff anytime they want to and declare them as not legal, and they get a, they get a bring the, the tax dollars for their, their agents, and it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you have to wonder, you know, What's the what's the inspiration behind that? You said they have power of prosecution over a person. I mean, it, I can't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree, and I think that um, you know, if, if if you peel back again the layers and you start looking at where the money is spent, I think it starts telling that story. And you start looking at the lobby for the prison or the the, the prison guards union, and you start looking at the lobby for various law enforcement agencies, and all the money and all the, uh, you know, the, the programs about drug eradication that they don't want to lose. You know, they get a lot of uh, tools and a lot of resources out of this war on drugs, and I don't think they want to let it go. Well, one thing that, that I point out in that is in 2015, 
It was 219,000 federal prisoners. As of right now, there's 177,000 federal prisoners. That's a big drop. Yeah. That's nearly a 25% drop. But you know what? They haven't closed any prisons. <laughs> they haven't cut back on any staffers. Right. They you know, they're, they're giving us significantly less medical care and less food. But, you know, they, they should be drowning in, in funds with, you know, that major cut in inmates. But you, you kind of have to wonder, what's behind all that? Well, you know what? I proposed, and, and I, I'm trying to create some kind of an outrage and a demand for it. But what if we did a true audit of our federal government? What if we, what if we did, and uh, you know, everybody wants to see the president's tax returns. I want to see my government's tax returns. Yeah. I want to see that budget explained to us in, in layman's terms where all that money went and why the hell we're so far in debt and what's happening here. And I think if people could see where their government's spending their money, and I mean break it down all the way. This money is allocated to the federal prison system, then let's audit that. And so let's see where that money actually got spent. And I'll bet you if that was to be done and disclosed, I'll bet you that would give us the impetus for the uprising that we need right now. Oh, if you took a federal prison, any one of them that, that I've seen, and ran it like a business, you'd probably cut about a fourth of the cost. I mean, you should see how money is just wasted on both people and uh, equipment and supplies everywhere. It, it's astounding. It, you can't believe how much is wasted in every one of these 122 prisons that they have. Well, I think you've already had your first beef, so I want to give you the last word here. Well, it, again, though, I, I have to ask everybody, thank you for shining a light on us behind the razor wire here. You know, and like you up in Montana pointing out to people that, you know, as much as people say that marijuana is becoming legal and accepted, there's no, there's many, many of us, uh, almost 40,000 of us in federal prison for marijuana. And uh, please look at, you know, uh, what we need to change the law on this. Please. There it is. Craig Cecil with the last word cut off after 15 minutes. You know, we got to make some changes here, folks. we got to make some changes. And we're not going to have changes until we demand them, and we need to demand them clearly, and we need to have solutions. If we just sit there and bitch about things and vote one guy out and vote another guy in, we're just drifting. And we need to take a hold of the helm, and we need to start driving this boat where we want it to go, we need to create the path, and we need to go down and create the world we want. We have that power. We can do it. You can become part of our organization. That would be lovely and wonderful. Or you can just decide to find something that makes sense and be part of it. But take some action. Don't just talk. Don't just type. Don't just be upset. Do something, please, and maybe do it well enough that somebody else wants to join you. I just can't help but think that we've got over 300 million people here in America, and how many of them are actually trying to make a change? I don't think it's a big number. I don't think it's a big enough number. I think we can make that change. 
All right, we got 13 minutes and 36 seconds left to go, and a bunch of people on the line that want to talk. I'm, I'm not sorry. I, I uh, chomped up most of this thing. I, we got a bunch of people that have not been screened. There's three lines here. Um, if we could get those screened, please. Um, that way, I can make sure that we don't have somebody that uh, called in, wanted to talk, and didn't get the opportunity. I always want to make sure that everybody that has something to say gets a chance to say it. All right, Dana Bland up first, and uh, Dana and Suzanne have just opened up the Hope for Change and End of Prohibition chapter of the Human Solution in Missouri, and I understand, and, and, I'm, and I just talked to Becca today that uh, their charter uh, papers have been drawn up, and uh, hopefully they're going to get sent out tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing the picture of their active charter, and... Uh, Dana, how's it going today? Welcome to the show. Well, we're doing pretty good. Uh, got food poisoned the other day, so <laughs> but I'm over that now. But, yeah, I just, right. uh, I've seen some information online uh, that things are starting to change a little by little. Uh, this father, he had 107 plants, and uh, he was growing them to heal his daughter, which had severe Crohn's disease and was dying. And he got cleared in court today, as far as I can tell. And also, uh, if if you stick to your guns about things like I have with, like, even my church, I got a call from my pastor today, and things got changed. And uh, so I'll be going back there, I guess, because... Right on! Good job! That's fantastic! So, so just, everybody out there, don't give up. You know, you just yes. can't give up. You stick to your guns. Yes, you are absolutely right, and, and, and that is absolutely the message. Stay the course, folks. You know, this is these things are worth fighting for. And it doesn't take a lot sometimes, and sometimes just, just raising your hand and saying, you know what, I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm going to stand because this is worth standing for. Um, I, I think... I think that's the thing that sets things in motion. You know, they say a law of physics is that objects in motion tend to want to stay in motion and objects at rest tend to want to stay at rest. And I think there's most of us and most uh, most most people are kind of at rest. They're stuck in their way of thinking and they're stuck in their habits and they don't do things that uh, might make a change in their life. And most people generally don't like change. They're generally afraid of it. And, um, you know, you, you, you lead by example, Dina and Suzanne, and I'm just uh, excited to continue this journey. And I, I love to hear victories, even small ones. So this is great to hear. All right. Well, Dina, I'm real short on time. i got to cut it quiet, kind of short today. But um, if somebody wants to get involved in Missouri and wants to join up with your chapter, how do they get a hold of you? All right, they can contact me here on eBay. I mean, not eBay, but Facebook, and uh, it'd be the uh, hope for hope hope for change and the end of prohibition, human solutions here in Missouri. And my phone number is four one seven eight four seven seven nine seven four. Excellent, awesome. Thank you so much, Dana and Suzanne. And uh, again, it's a pleasure to. Uh, to be fighting alongside you guys. You guys are uh, an inspiration to me and so many others. Okay, you bring up your next guy. You got some people there. (laughs) 
But I know this is Pete Yapel, so we're going to go ahead and bring him up just because I happen to know its number. So uh, Pete Yapel is, again, a fellow warrior. He is a, a chapter coordinator, him and his wife, of the Solidarity Over Separation chapter in New York, but they're about to take that chapter on the road. And um, we're going to be uh, reaching out to the community in hopes of acquiring a camper or a van or a vehicle that uh, Pete and his wife Helen can uh, turn into a traveling uh, road show chapter. Pete, why don't you tell us a bit about it? Well, good afternoon, everyone. We're just about, we're uh, about like 25 minutes from home from coming from Peggy and Glenn, and we were so glad we were able to be there. Uh, it, it is a circus there. We we learned so much. It's just, you know, Helen and I are sponges anyway. And we've learned one thing that is very obvious, that the, that the court systems need to catch up to us. Uh, they don't understand the plant. They don't understand what they're what, they don't understand what they are actually charging people with. They don't even know what, what the crimes truly are. And those defending don't know how to defend it because they know nothing about what they're defending. And the justices are just stuck in the middle going, can you morons make up your mind? I don't know which way to go. Because the only two things that this judge has, that has, uh, uh, has um, the hell's the word I'm looking for, Helen? Uh, 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 the only thing, two things the judge has said and, and put, his, put his words on is that they are cannabis patients. So he has already said that under Ohio law, they qualify as cannabis. He's made two rulings. That's what I'm looking for. The first ruling was that they are patients. The second ruling was that they can use cannabis, and they can use cannabis in all forms that Ohio medical program supports. Well, folks, they did nothing but that. So what are they truly being charged with? And when we saw this circus, it was literally funny. And, we, you know, it, it was like, please wake up. You all, y'all are so in the dark ages when it comes to this plant, anything to do with this plant, and you don't even know your own law. You're trying to try your law. You're trying to prosecute under law, and you don't even know it. And that's a horrible thing, man, because when we sit and look and read the paperwork, you know, that Glenn and Peggy had sitting there, their case is one highlighted sitting on their table in their cl- in their living room. Their case is one. So that's oh, I know. get out. I know. But, you know, you're, you're completely right. After this, it's really sparked me and Helen. And everybody, come on, everybody knows us. We're not going to just... Uh, just sit by and be the one no. that don't well, do it, it was blatantly obvious that the one big thing that's missing in these cases is, is education. And common sense. And Yeah. And and that's what we want to take solidarity out on the road for. Yeah, we want to visit every and neighborhood. From our walk. Right. We're most asked all the around. time, when are you coming to see us? When are you going to be in our area? Well, folks, we're going to make that possible. Mm-hmm. We'll let you set up free rallies for our walk. While we're there, you know it. We're going to, this is called the true membership drive. We are going to be driving for membership. We're going to be driving across, going to the places. So they, so they, listen, just think, when we do this walk, we've already said, we can't be everywhere. So we want you to set up parallel walks and rallies. Well, guess what? We'll bring it to you. We're going to drive around and wake up America and get them ready for a walk in 10 months. That's right. That's what we're going to do. That's right. 
position to do it. We don't own a home. Our kids are grown. There's nothing tying us we to live it. On we live on Social Security. We, we can just be this. there. That's right. So we can do it, so we will do it. Again, we do what we say, we do what we want. Like the song says, walk the walk, talk the talk. And we do walk the walk that we talk. And not only that, if anybody hasn't had a chance, listen to our the, the song we play at the end of our TV show or at the beginning of our radio show. Folks, if you don't understand how important the lyrics are by this incredible local band, they hit the nail on the head, man. The name of the song is Can We Talk? And it's why do we have to, you know, why, why do we have to uh, hate each other? Why do we have to talk across each other? Why do we have to accuse each other? Why can't we just act like brothers for a minute and talk? And we can solve so much shit in this world and especially prohibition of cannabis. We really, truly have to end the plant prohibition, because by doing so, we will eliminate so many other problems. Well, I won't get into all the big wigs and money pot people tonight on, on the show. You did a very good job of putting them in their place. But it's time that they open their eyes, because, listen, at the end of the day, when this walk is finished, everybody's civil liberties are, are addressed and brought to the table. Cannabis prohibition is, is brought, I mean, the end of cannabis prohibition is brought to their face, and everything clears up, they can turn around and thank us for everything that they're going to end up benefiting from. Sam Skippy, baby. Listen, you guys, we're, we're at the very edge of our show today. I've got to cut out on time today. So um, if yeah. somebody wants to get engaged, involved in your uh, rolling, soon-to-be rolling chapter, Solidarity over separation, or hell, maybe they want to donate a vehicle um, to our 501c3 and get a write-up for the full value of that vehicle. Um, how do they get a hold of you? All of our contact information is on our website, www.canawetalk42small-o.com. Also, you can reach us awesome. at 845-522-3162 or 352 299-1473. That's Helen's phone. She normally can answer more than me, guys, because I'm either driving and traveling, and she's the she's got to be Anything I'm going to say, she's going to say anyway. So, yeah, you're wasting the time just thinking you're talking to me. There we go. All right, well, Pete and Helen, always a pleasure. And, again, it's an honor to be standing with you guys. Um, I believe today <coughs> the Human solution. International leadership team is stronger than it's ever been, and uh, I believe that we're finally um, ready and able to start stretching our wings a little bit and uh, making the changes that we were always here to make. So, always a pleasure, right. and uh, we will talk to you probably tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, and let's be the solution, folks. Let's finally be it. Awesome. Nikki Helen, Solidarity over separation. All right, so we got Bob and Colleen and Tom Corby. And before, I got one last little tidbit. Um, many of you guys a year ago or so signed up for a monthly membership to the Human Solution International. And uh, you signed up as a 420 member or a 630 member for your family. And um, you got a notice that said your profile has been uh, terminated or whatever. Well, I guess. The way it was set up was it was a, a year membership. So all you got to do is go onto the website, thsintl.org, and sign up again, and it will just continue. I apologize for the hassle, um, but we wanted it to be a, an annual commitment, I guess, um, 
I don't want to sign somebody up for something that just automatically renews and they don't realize um, that they're still supporting or maybe they didn't want to continue supporting. If you are here to support us, um, do it on purpose. That's what we're looking for. All right, Bob and Colleen up next from way up NorCal. Welcome to the show, you guys. How you doing? Good. How are you today, Joe? Above ground breathing and currently out of custody. It's a good day. That's a good day. Me too. Uh, I went to court uh, the other day on Monday here in Oregon for uh, import-export of cannabis. Case dismissed. Uh, the police officers didn't show up, so they just threw it out. Uh, there was five strangulation cases in front of me, so I did, I, <laughs> I couldn't really see the justice in uh, them even uh, bringing me up to the stand to even talk to me. So, But they dismissed it, needless to say. Uh, I mean, that's a good thing. My heart goes out to Craig Cecil and all the prisoners out there that are still locked up for this plant. It's, it's, uh, it's not right. Uh, we need to get them out of there. Uh, no matter what it takes, we got to get them out of there. We got to free them. Um, they they don't belong there. They haven't belonged there since the beginning. And um, I love you. I love this organization and everything that has taught me over the last seven, eight years. Um, uh, I, I can't even explain it. And uh, I'm very grateful for all of you. And I love you all. I've been sick with Crohn's disease, as um, some of you know. And there's a, a young kid by the name of Colton Turner in Colorado now, and um, they're studying the cannabis on him with the Crohn's disease. I I, I was up in line for that, but I kind of ran away from the doctors because of all the testing. But the Crohn's disease, it works. And uh, the Crohn's disease, and it's listening. It's Don't smoke it. I mean, smoke it, but ingest it. You got to eat it. Eat your cannabis. And uh, that's my words of wisdom. I love you, Joe. I love this show and everybody listening. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And it is always a pleasure. And uh, I will talk to you real soon, Bob and Colleen. Yes, sir. You have a great night. Love you guys. Thanks for doing the show, Joe. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. To close the show up, we got the mighty Tom Corby. I'm not a man of brevity, but hopefully you can nip it kind of short today because I have an appointment uh, that I need to leave for um, in a couple of minutes. So, Tom Corby, uh, the floor is yours. Welcome to the show. Oh, I thank you, Joe. And, uh, all those on the front line always coming together, uh, joining and volunteering to help be the solution in Prohibition and free all POWs. Uh, I just need to breathe. You got me in here quick, Joe. Uh, I just, uh, Frank and Ann just came downstairs. And uh, also we have a new member to the family that's helping so much here with Donna. Uh, Daria is right here. And she likes the human solution. What would you like to say? Just a couple words. Um, hi. I'm glad to be a part of the solution. Hello. 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 Hi. Right, so again, uh, in Northern California, and uh, I don't think there's anything better that we can share. Also, not not to mention all of California and also Joe's case, how we set huge precedents when we win these cases. And 
uh, <clears throat> you know, you want me to tell you a story and how do we do this? Uh, a lot of folks know that Donna and I in Butte County here about 10 years ago uh, were arrested, went to jail for four days and almost lost everything and, and joined the human solution and all the direction we finally back, we count down. How do we do that? Uh, we take them on to trial, and we have supporters and court supporters. Now I think back uh, when in 1976, uh, when we owned that little town in northeastern Nevada, uh, Joe Roosevelt, Green, Nevada, uh, uh, they came in and uh, arrested me. And Donna and took us to jail and closed our town down. Uh, I was set up uh, by a rat. I wouldn't want his karma. Uh, I actually have, still have his name and face right in my right here is my vision. Uh, got out of jail free to set me up. Uh, the narcs came to my store and my bar and partied oh, a couple of days. They were all oh, just partied on taxpayers' money and were setting me up the whole time trying to talk me out of one joint. Well, they finally did. I let my guard down. I was up for 20 years. And, and, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Alco County, Alco County, Nevada, biggest. County in uh, Nevada, by the way, and Donna also was, and I don't think Joe's heard this part of the story. So we were both charged with this, and my furnishing and the pound they found in my closet. Uh, how did she get off? Well, we have a we have a we have a cafe. We had one in a restaurant there, and these two guys came in and got hamburgers. Turns out uh, that. These two guys had just killed a rancher uh, up the road uh, about 30 miles, and she remembered them, the pictures. So she went to trial against him and sent him to jail, and she got off free. So that's really getting off free. So a cut to the chase, uh, front page, a lot of the papers, uh, town owners, uh, you know, Buff said, oh, they may be us. Oh, of course, look really bad. Oh, yeah, and also I, I, was, I, I uh, was learning to fly out there. And uh, I was in a supervisor meeting one night. And I just happened to come in, and they mentioned that guy at Curry flying pa- uh, plane loads of pot. Uh, marijuana and <laughs> oh shit no, I, I, I didn't know I just kind of bowed out I should have went up there and stood my ground anyway uh, Greg Corn, my attorney back there actually did a lot of really good things he uh, got all the discovery uh, through all the 995 dismiss motions probable cause uh, after two months we went to trial uh, it was a big thing in Elko, in Elko Nevada uh, uh, when it when at, at one point the uh, Greg said it doesn't look too good for you when the juries uh, 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 when the juries uh, deliberating right now and I said well then it won't hurt me to take the stand will it and so I took the stand for forty minutes 
and I talk to every one of them, like I'm talking to Daria Frank here right now, and all of you, and I looked at each one of them. How did we win? I told the truth. One of the narcs, God help him, right on the stand that I told him many times I do not furnish marijuana. And uh, we've hung the jury finally in Elko County, Nevada, set a huge precedence. One lady, they, they just tried, heckled her to death to try to send me up for 20 years, and she wouldn't. And so we hung the jury. I, uh, right now, uh, I probably would have took them on further had he known that we uh, I copped a plea for a double possession. Did you know if they come back again, they can charge you again for the same offense? Isn't that sad? I don't even know. Uh, I had I, I can't believe that I actually had not only court supporters back then. I had P- ten witnesses take the stand. Stand. I've ta- I've stopped at Tom Corby's store, and I've asked him for marijuana several times, and he will not give it to anybody. I will vouch for that. By the way, one of the uh, one of my supporters and witnesses was the uh, XDA's uh, secretary, uh, Bob Manley, back then was running for governor. Well, he lost, you know, because he thought he was going to hang me big, and uh, he did actually. So uh, I got probation after 15 years. I went up to, in front of uh, the governor of Nevada, and I, uh, I got a governor's pardon. When I got busted here in Butte County, uh, Joe knows, and it's on my wall, that same document I used to help my case here showing these judges and these TAs how I've cleaned my act up. So that's what we do. We take them on to trial. Uh, we get to court support. Uh, we we, we uh, get the uh, best attorneys we can. Uh, always take a deal. If it's going to go on to trial, you might as well get the best right off the bat. Uh, yeah, I have not seen him actually lose at a trial, Joe. And I'd like to pick up at the end right here, Joe's case. Uh, so we're going down. At one point, uh, Joe's uh, going to another hearing. And we're getting ready because he's going to trial, right? Well, he uh, came on. I couldn't believe it. He went in for this just another hearing. He could have went back to jail. but He went back twice, if I believe. And they dismissed all charges. So how big is that? So just take take them on and don't back off. Make them sick of you. Throw everything at them. And that's how we win. Uh, thank you all again today. And uh, don't forget to breathe. Yeah, it's time to bring in Willie. Yes, Joe, if you'd like to have any questions, um, be glad to answer them. No, I think we're good today, Tom. I'm uh, got to get my buddy out of out the door right now. So I uh, appreciate everything, and uh, um, always a pleasure to be working alongside you, the mighty Tom Corby, and Frank, and all the rest of the NorCal team. We love you guys. Woo! Oh, wow. Good to you, Joe. All right. Well, that's it for today. We will see you all next week. 
And let's see what old Willie Nelson has to say about that. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always... 